0: Hey, everybody, Shane here, and welcome back to another episode of The Conscious Love Show. So I'm just getting back to work after spending the last week in Bimini, Bahamas, swimming with wild dolphins, and it was one of the most incredible and magical experiences of my life. And to be honest with you, I'm still in the process of kind of integrating the experience and figuring out what it all means to me. So instead of forcing myself to jump in today and create new content that I'm not really ready for, what I've decided to do is bring back an older episode of the podcast that speaks into some of my most asked questions. So today's episode is about why men ghost and stop calling. This episode is one of the most profound episodes I've recorded. It really speaks in to the psychology and the programming and the development of men in their preparedness for a conscious relationship. It answers some of my most asked questions, and it gets really deep into the heart of a man and what's really going on for him in his journey to be ready for love. And it also lets you as a woman know what to look for in a man and what kind of men you can really trust and what kind of men you can't. Now, even if you've heard this episode before, I would definitely say give it a second listen because things are going to jump out to you that I promise you did not hear the first time. That being said, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I am so excited to be back, and I know I'm going to be inspired to create like never before. So I'm really looking forward to joining you next week for a fresh new episode of The Conscious Love Show, and I hope you all have an amazing week and sending you so much love. I'll see you back here next Tuesday. Take care, everybody. Lots of love. What's up, everybody? My name is Shane Kohler, and this is The Conscious Love Show. Thanks so much for joining me here, where each week I'm sharing true-to-life insights and experiences from my journey and how I've created the loving and committed partnership I have today. I answer your questions and have live discussions with you so I can support you in your specific situation. And I bring in experts and people who know their stuff so we can all learn from their perspectives thanks again for checking out the show. Please subscribe on whatever platform you listen to podcasts on the most. And I would love it so much if you leave a review and tell people what you think of us. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at the living relationship to connect more closely. And I'm grateful to be supporting you on your journey to love. Hello again, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of The Conscious Love Show. Um, As always, I'm very excited to be here. Uh, Got a topic today looking forward to speaking into. Uh, As always, we got our people live here with us on Instagram. And hello to those of you who are live with me today. Um, Hello to those of you who will be hearing this on the podcast later next week or or whenever you hear it. Um, Thank you for joining in and just honored to be able to share this message with you as well. And today's topic um, I wanted to speak into is the most common question I get. So I get, you know, hundreds of questions a week from people all around the world and one of the most common questions or I I would say the most common question um, and it comes in different forms, but it's, it's always about why did the guy disappear? Right? So sometimes it's, you know, I slept with him and then he disappeared. Sometimes it's, we had a great first date. We had a great first few dates. We were texting all the time. We were really connected. And then he disappeared. Sometimes it's, uh, you know, he acted super interested. He said he wanted a relationship. He said all the right things. I thought we were really going somewhere. And then he disappeared. Right? But, But this question is literally, like by a long shot, the most asked question is, why are all these guys disappearing? And I want to just uh, hopefully, my intention today is to be able to create some understanding so you can really understand maybe what's going on for men or, or how men are showing up or where they're coming from that is leading to this result, not to, not to justify it or make it okay, because I really don't think it's okay. I think, I think it's always appropriate when someone chooses to move in another direction that they just acknowledge the time you spent together and say, thank you. And I wish you well, like to me, that just seems like common human courtesy. So my intention here is not to justify or, or, you know, make it okay that they do that, but rather to create some understanding about what's going on and some awareness. So you can, as a woman who might be dating men, be a little more prepared to, to deal with this when it happens or have some understanding about why it might happen or what's going to cause it to happen. Um, so that's, that's really what I wanted to address today and and speak into. Now the first thing I want to say, and this goes for women and men, and because women do it too, right? Women disappear. It's, it's not only men who disappear, it's women who disappear too. But I think there is something very specific about when a man does it. And I think men are maybe a little more inclined to do it than women. But the first thing I want to speak about is this cultural narrative that we live in where it's like people are disposable and we treat people like they're disposable. And it's, it's basically like, if I can get what I want from you, then I'm going to treat you really nice and I'm going to, you know, try to be a good person to you. And if I can't, then you basically mean nothing to me and you could fall off the face of the earth and I don't care. Now I know that might be kind of harsh and I know nobody's actually sitting there and thinking that in their minds, but if, if our behavior were to have language, a lot of times, that's what our behavior would say. And this is true for both men and women. And I see someone in the comments saying it's hookup culture. And yeah, it it is hookup culture, like hookup culture is a big part of this. And it's, it's also, um, I think it really changed when dating apps became mainstream. You know, it's not that nobody ever ghosted before dating apps were around because people did ghost before dating apps were around. But I, I think the difference is, is that When somebody would ghost back then, it was like a big deal. It was like, oh my God, they just disappeared. And everyone's like, what happened to them? And it was like, you know, if somebody were to just disappear without a word prior to dating apps being mainstream, it was kind of a big deal. But since dating apps have become mainstream, ghosting or disappearing or, you know, just leaving without a word, not even acknowledging the time you spent or the connection that was made, has become just a normal way of doing things. And it's super hurtful. I mean, like, and and I want to say this for everyone because I I think, you know, both men and women do this and I, I just, it's so counterintuitive to creating love. And I understand there are a lot of people in the dating world that are not about creating love. They're not about creating, you know, true connection, authentic relationship. They're, they're just about having a good time or doing whatever. But for those of you who do actually want a real long-term committed partnership, for those of you who are seeking that, if you're showing up in this way where you are treating people as though they're disposable, where you're treating people as though they, they're not valuable or not worthy, just as, as a result of, of the fact that they exist as a human being, that you're not bringing the energy that creates love. And so I I think what has happened since dating apps became mainstream and what it does is it causes us to kind of objectify people. Because it's, it's almost like you're looking through a catalog. You know, I was thinking about it earlier. I'm like, if you, if you have like a Macy's catalog, and you're just flipping through the catalog, and you're like, OK, here are bed sheets, and curtains, and pots, and pans, and a new toaster oven, or whatever, right? Like You're looking through all these objects. And these objects are, they're not people. They don't have feelings. They don't have a reality of their own. They're not, they don't have dreams and goals and desires, right? They're just just—they're just things that you're looking at in a magazine and you're like, maybe I'll get this thing, maybe I won't. Well, I think dating apps are causing us to do that with people. They're causing us to objectify people like they're objects. And so when we go on a dating app, it's like we're flipping through a magazine and looking at all these people and saying, well, maybe I'll get this one, maybe I won't get that one. And so because, because dating apps have kind of changed the game to make it look that way, or to, to not, not to look that way, but to seem that way, to feel that way when we're doing it, that carries over in, into a larger context where it's not only do we feel that way when we're on the app, but we start to feel that way overall. And what, what the dating apps have done is they've made so many people so accessible to us that the individual is no longer valued right so it's like because I can just open my phone and I can flip through here and I can find a thousand people to talk to. And there's like literally a never ending list. Like I could just keep going. Here's another person. Here's another person. Here's another person. It's like, like I could go on forever and, you know, might repeat a few times, but, but the point is like, there's a never ending list of people to talk to. There's, there's always going to be one more person. There's always going to be someone else out there. And of course, this was always true, but dating apps have made it really, really obvious. And, What's happening is because we all have access to thousands and thousands of people in the palm of our hand, we've lost the the connection to the value of that individual interaction with that human being. When you sit down and you're on a first date with someone or you're, you know, you're getting to know someone for the first time or you're, you know, second or third date, but early on in the relationship, And we're disconnected from the fact that there's like, there is a sacred interaction that's happening there. Like there's something really beautiful and really special and really amazing that is happening right now with you and this person on the other side of the table. And like what's, what's happening is like two people are showing up in a vulnerable way to like open their hearts and explore the possibility of love and are Our myopic approach to this and our disconnection from that, that sacred interaction that's happening there is, is removing love from the equation altogether. And so to, to start this conversation, and I'm going to speak more specifically into what's going on with men, why men ghost, why men disappear. But I just first wanted to start by talking about why people ghost in general, why people disappear. Because I, I I do believe women do this just as often as men do. Is they you know there's 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 this disconnection from the sacredness and the beauty of of you know these initial interactions with another human being, of really looking beyond. However, they're showing up on the surface with maybe they're nervous or maybe they're cocky or maybe they're, you know, trying to prove themselves or, you know, but if we can look beyond what's happening on the surface and see the heart of that human being and see that there's another person on the other side of this table that's like looking for love right now in the same way that I am. And like if I can recognize like you know, underneath all the exterior and, and, you know, maybe they're even a narcissist and maybe they're even, you know, toxic in some way, like maybe they're not the best person. Right. But, but even underneath that, like if you can look below whatever's showing up on the surface and you can look into that person's heart and you can see that underneath all that exterior stuff and underneath all the grandiosity and all the, you know, trying to prove myself or boost myself up or whatever it might be, you can see that there's just a vulnerable human being, who is seeking love in the same way you are, right? Like ultimately we all want the same things. We all want to be loved. We all want to be appreciated. We all want to feel good about ourselves. We all want other people to think highly of us. We all want to do well in life. Like we all want the same things. And you know, yeah, some people have a very toxic approach of trying to get those things. I get that, but it doesn't change that fundamentally we're all the same. And if you can see that in another human being, And you can be connected to that. Well, now you're connected to the space in which love can emerge, in which love can be created. And if you're connected to the space of love in which love can emerge, in which love can be created, you're never going to ghost somebody coming from that space. You're just not. Because there's a recognition that like this person is a human being, and they deserve to be acknowledged, right? Like th- this person, they have feelings, they have dreams, they have desires, they have fears, they feel ashamed sometimes, they feel unworthy sometimes, they struggle sometimes, they compare themselves to other people. Like, like if you can see that all of that's happening for someone, you're not going to ghost that person. Like if, if you choose that you don't want to be with them or you don't want to see them again, you're going to like want to let them know that in the most loving way possible, you're going to be like, listen, it was really great spending some time with you. I loved hearing your stories. You know, you're an awesome person. You, you have a good heart and I wish you well. And I hope you find what you're looking for, right? Like you're going to say something like that because you're connected to the fact that this is a human being. And so when we talk about why men disappear, that's definitely an element of it. But, but that is, that is more of a cultural thing. And that applies to men and women. And, and everybody is doing that in the dating world, not, not every single person, but by a large genre, by a large like group, You know, most people are just treating people like they're disposable. We show up on a first date and it's like, OK, I'm sizing you up. If I think you're super hot and sexy and I want to be with you, then I'm going to give you my very best. And I'm going to try to show you how great I am. And I'm going to try to be super attentive and super loving and super awesome. And if, if I show up and I size you up and I'm like, Ooh, I don't think you're that attractive or, 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 Oh, I, you don't look like you did in your pictures or, or, Oh, whatever. But if I size you up that way and I'm not feeling it, I'm going to act bored. I I might walk out the door and not even sit down and meet you for a coffee or or a dinner. Right? So this is how massive amounts of people are showing up to dating. And what I want to say is if you want love, if you want like authentic, loving relationship, you've got to choose to be someone who's gonna show up different. You've got to choose to be someone who's gonna show up connected to the authenticity and the vulnerability of other human beings, who's gonna show up like honoring every single interaction, honoring every single connection, every single relationship, even if it's just, hey, you know, I had a great time tonight. Thank you so much for meeting with me. It was awesome getting to know you. I don't want a second date, but I wish you the best, and I hope you find what you're looking for, right? Even if it's, even if that's all it is, you're gonna honor every single connection and every single interaction. Why? Because that's what love would do. Love would recognize the, the vulnerability of the human being who's showing up to meet them. And love would want to honor that. Love would want to care for that. Love would want to acknowledge that. And if you're going to create love in your life, you've got to come from love. So that's the first thing I want to say is just for for all of us, men, women, everybody, we've got to start recognizing the sacredness of these interactions. And, you know, this is a kind of akin to A Course in Miracles, which I've shared many times is a foundational study of my life. A Course in Miracles would say that if you can't, if you can't see the miracle in that person who's across the table from you, and and maybe they don't look like they did in their pictures, and maybe they don't, maybe they don't, um, you know, they don't, uh, they're not super attractive or they're not super cool or they're not, you know, whatever. Like, like maybe that's, maybe that's the case, but they're still a human being. And if you can't see the miracle in that human being, then you're not going to be able to see it in the person you like either. Because fundamentally, when you get underneath the surface, we're all the same. Yeah, yeah, we look different, we act different, we say different things, we have different histories, we're interested in different things. So there's there's a lot of diversity, I get it. But when you get underneath that when you get underneath that like differences, it's the same thing that's happening underneath. And if you look at someone and you judge them on the surface and you determine that they're disposable based on what you see on the surface, then you're not connected to that person's heart. And if you can't connect to that person's heart, You're going to go find someone who's super attractive and you think, oh my God, and you put them up on a pedestal and you just think they're so amazing and all this stuff. And, and, you know, you, you do that. And then what's going to happen is when their vulnerability starts to emerge, when they come down off that pedestal and they start to show their humanness, you're going to see them in the same way you see that person who didn't look like they did in their pictures and you just thought they were a loser and you have no interest in them you're going to see that person that you had up on that pedestal. As soon as they come down from their pedestal, you're going to see them in the same way because you haven't developed the ability to connect on a heart level. And so I know I'm probably beating a dead horse at this point, so I'm going to move on. But, but the last thing I want to say is that like, we've all got to start looking to connect with each other on that heart level. And this is completely divorced from if you're attracted to someone or not, if you want a relationship with them or not, if you think they're hot and sexy or not, right? Like the, the we're, these are two completely different conversations. You might not be attracted to someone. They still deserve your honor, your respect, your love. And when you start showing up like that, that's when you invite love into your life. That being said, I want to, shift the conversation just a little bit now and speak more about men and the the journey of a man because the topic i really wanted to address today and I, I know i said it earlier but i'll just say it again for maybe people who've just recently joined in is the number one question i get is why did he disappear right whether it was after we slept together whether it was after our first few dates whether it was you know after making all these promises or or saying all these things and then you know he just disappears he just vanishes So why is it that men do this? And and I want to say in this respect, I think men do do this more than women. So we have the cultural issue of people treating people like they're disposable, and that's kind of pervasive across everybody, men and women. But then there is this uh, commitment avoidant thing that I think is more, that is more a man thing. Now, women definitely have this too, to a degree, but I would say women as a, as a genre are generally more available for commitment. Like men, it's kind of like you gotta, and I don't want to say all men, like some men are totally ready for commitment, but a lot of times with men, it's like, you know, they've got to ease into it slowly. Whereas with women, a lot of times they're like, no, I want it. I'm ready for it. Like I'm trying to find my person so we can move forward with this. Right? So what's the difference? What's, what's going on here? I I did, um, I did a podcast episode with my friend, Michael, who, those of you who are subscribed to the podcast, you may want to go check out this episode. It was, it was a while back now, but the question we uh, were addressing in the podcast is why men commit and why they don't. And. Uh, Michael is is a close friend of mine. He's um, he's a men's coach, and he is uh, he, he's a, a men's success coach, and he's been working with lots of men from all over the world for many years. I have a lot of respect for him. Um, he's a great guy. He actually um, he's actually the reason my wife and I met, which that's that's a whole other story. But a good friend of mine, and and he does great work, and and really does a lot of great things about supporting men. And, um, I had this conversation with him because, you know, I wanted to know like what makes a man commit and and why don't men commit? Like, what are the factors? And so we really fleshed this out. And he said something at the very beginning of our conversation, which I thought was really profound and really powerful. And he said that men have a lot of cultural incentive to not commit. Right. So men have a lot of cultural incentive to not commit. And I think, you know, my experience, my personal experience might've been a little bit different than this because I wasn't raised around men. I was raised around women. My, I had a single mother. She had all female friends. Like there wasn't really a father figure in my life until I was seven, eight years old. And, and even at that point, the father figures kind of came and go. I didn't have like a consistent father figure. So I grew up around a mother who, you know, she, she was a single mother and God bless her heart. Like she had a lot of toxic relationships and was in and out of a lot of drama and it, like my mom's journey was not easy at all. But, um, but you know, she was someone who always deeply desired a relationship she was someone who always wanted to find her husband. She always wanted to get married. She always wanted to have a family. That, that was always my mom's vision. Now, you know, again, bless her heart, 50 years old. She recently married someone. He's a, he's a good guy, he treats her well. And I think, you know, all these years later, she's finally, she's finally found it. But you know, my mom had a rough journey with this. But I grew up in an environment where, you know, the, the message that was impressed upon me was, you know, that, marriage family like those are those are really good things. those are things worth striving for those are things that you want to have. and when I moved in with my dad, my dad had uh, you know my dad was like the embodiment of toxic masculinity. I mean he was just the worst and you know all the all the horrible things you hear about men you know and, and the things they say and the things they do and the ways they think and the ways they treat women my dad was all of that probably still is. I don't really talk to him anymore, but you know, he he was all of that. So I definitely got that perspective, but I didn't meet my dad till I was 13. So my entire childhood, I was I was raised with a certain value system, and then I ended up living with my dad for a few years and I definitely got exposed to this other perspective, and I definitely took it on to a certain degree and I definitely lived out of that perspective for a few years, but I think at the core I always I always felt something different. So as I grew into adulthood, you know, for me wanting a relationship was, was always kind of central to who I was. Um, And, you know, I, like I said, I I definitely grew away from it for a few years after living with my dad, but then I kind of naturally grew back into it as I got into my twenties. But other men, and I think uh, culturally men, especially men whose fathers are around or men who have a lot of older male role models around, And men who aren't necessarily raised in positive environments, like, you know, I I mean, not only did I have a single mother who was, you know, the way she was, but also um, I I grew up around church, right? Like my mom brought me to church. So a lot of the men I did know were like church-going men, which, you know, they might have their own problems, but they definitely respected women. They definitely respected marriage and relationships. So that was kind of the perspective I always got. A lot of men are raised around men who say things like "Don't ever get married," you know? If I could go back, I would have never married your mother. Or a lot of a lot of men are raised around in an environment where the the father and the mother are separated, and there's a lot of animosity between them, right? Which wasn't my situation. My mom and my dad actually had quite a peaceful relationship, um, but there's a lot of animosity between them. There's also a lot of cultural incentive for men to like be super independent, to play the field. There's uh, among, among men in, in groups of men. And again, this is more the toxic masculinity, not the enlightened masculinity, but around a lot of groups of men, you know, if one of those men is to go get married or fall in love or, or have a really strong relationship with a woman, he'll likely be ridiculed by that group of men. And they'll consider him to be some kind of sellout or some kind of, uh, the words they use are like simp or chump or things like that. But, you know, basically the sentiment is like, oh, you're, you're becoming sensitive. You're becoming weak. You're letting a woman have power over you. right?" So these are a lot of the, um, a lot of the cultural narratives that men are exposed to in a younger age from their father's as they get older and they're around the other boys at school and and this is something that they pick up they're around the other uh you know when they go to college or when they go into adult life and so there's just this huge cultural incentive for men to not commit and you know again my experience was a little bit different because of the environment i was raised in and who my mother was but a lot of a lot of men who grow up around other men and are, are raised in kind of that toxic masculinity, which is the force that runs our world right now. It's, it's the message they receive. It's the message they absorb. And so all men, or or I should say a lot of men, you know, again, I, I was a little different in that respect. And I think there are men like me too, but a lot of men have this journey that they have to go through of undoing this old narrative, this old perspective of what it means to be a man, of what masculinity is, of, you know, commitment to one woman versus having the opportunity to be with many women, right? And, and a lot of men are, I mean, I should say all men are kind of at different stages in this journey. You know, some men are like, all the way over, I would say in like a narcissist consciousness, which, which would be like, you know, complete toxic masculine. And and that would be like, you know, women are objects. I take what I want. I have no regard. I'm not connected to, you know, the emotionality of anything. I'm not connected to how my actions impact others. I'm just, I'm just taking what I want. I'm just playing the field. I'm using women for my own personal entertainment. And so some men are showing up all the way on this side of the spectrum, all the way over here in like narcissistic, toxic masculine consciousness. Some men are showing up somewhere in the middle, right? Where they have a lot of that old stuff that maybe they grew up with, things that were impressed on them from the boys at school, things that, you know, maybe the other men in their lives have told them, right? So they're, they're kind of, uh, they're kind of uh, somewhere in the middle of this. Then there are men who are I would say like on a healing path and they're actually actively working to undo a lot of the stuff, actively working to outgrow and overcome a lot of the stuff. And then there are men who I would say you know or maybe have have never really had much of this stuff, right? Maybe again they were raised in uh, with a really good mother or a really supportive family environment in a, in a family where, you know, their mother and their father had a good marriage and they respected each other. And so, you know, men who grew up in that kind of environment might not really have much of this going on. They, they might just be, you know, already already like ahead in that respect, right? So for the ladies who are out there dating men, you've got to recognize that when you meet a guy, you could literally be meeting any one of these four guys. <laughs> And you can't really know who you're meeting off the bat because especially some of the men who are living in like the toxic narcissist consciousness, I take what I want, I have no regard, I, I use women as objects, you know, I'm only about myself, right? A lot of those men, because, because they're so self-centered, because they have such little regard, they'll say anything and they've learned they've learned what to say they've learned what to do they've learned how to act they've learned how to play on emotion and they actually in that level of consciousness in that low level of consciousness i mean they'll actually enjoy that they'll actually get off on it it'll it'll be like a game for them right to get your emotions hooked to get you to like them to pull you around like that right so the like even in that level of consciousness there's there's um like you can't really believe anything that person would say and and they will say all the right things and they will do all the right things because they want to get you hooked. They want to have that power over you. They enjoy that trip. Right? So that's, that's uh, something that I just like, so if you meet that guy, you can't really, you can't really know who he is until you get a certain ways into the relationship, right? Like that's going to take some time for his colors to be revealed because what, so a guy like that, a guy who's, you know, completely self-centered, completely uses women as objects, no sincere interest in an honest relationship, but he will tell you he does and he will say all the right things and he will do all the right things because he wants to get you hooked, right? How is that guy going to reveal himself? How are you going to know who he is? Well, what you can count on is you can count on his self-centeredness to be his downfall because ultimately he's going to choose himself every time. And so when you show up to this relationship or you show up to this, you know, interaction with him in a way where you are not going to allow yourself to be diminished, where you're not going to allow yourself to be, um, used or taken advantage of or, or, you know, put down in any kind of way. Well, what's ultimately going to happen very early on in this relationship is his self-centeredness is going to conflict with your need for respect, right? So here, his, his self-absorption, his lack of regard, his taking what he wants and using it however he sees fit is going to conflict with your need for respect. And that's where the relationship is going to fall apart. The problem is, is when you fall so quickly for him saying and doing the right things and telling you everything you want to hear, and you get all excited about it, and you start assuming you've met the one, even though you have no idea who this person is, and now he has power over you, now you're on his hook, now he's kind of pulling you this way or pulling you that way, telling you where to go, telling you what to do. Well, now you're not demanding the respect that you need from him. So that conflict isn't gonna happen, right? Where where his selfishness would conflict with your respect, well, if you're giving him the freedom to take what he wants and do what he wants with it, that conflict isn't gonna happen. So his true colors are not gonna be revealed until you get way down the road, until this situation just gets so painful for you that you just like, you just can't handle it anymore. And finally it's like coming out of a daze and you're like, Oh my God, how did I end up here? And this is what, this is basically what narcissistic abuse is, right? It's somebody who comes on very strong. They say all the right things. They do all the right things. They get you hooked. And then once you're hooked, they take you for a ride. And then sometimes years later, I mean, I've, I've had clients who lived in this for 20 years, right? So sometimes many years later, you finally wake up to what's been going on all these years and it's like you were under a spell. So this is, so going back to the topic, because I want to make sure we tie it all together here. The first reason a man might disappear or ghost or not call back is because he's living in a narcissist level consciousness, right? He has no regard. He doesn't care. Like he literally gives no fucks about you, no fucks about how you feel. If, If you're going to be disappointed, if you're going to be let down, if you're going to be hurt, if you're going to be sad, he doesn't care at all. He might even laugh about it. He might even find it funny. Why? Because he's living in a completely self-centered consciousness. So the first reason the guy would ghost or disappear is because he's living in that level of consciousness. He has no regard for anyone but himself. Okay. Now I just want to, I just want to land this point because it's very important. The way you protect yourself against someone like this is by having a certain level of respect, that is required of anyone you're involved with, right? So when you're involved with this person, you're requiring a certain level of respect that at some point is gonna conflict with his selfishness, it's gonna cause some kind of blowout experience, he's gonna reveal who he is, and you're gonna see who he is, and then you're gonna say, okay, got it, not who I wanna be with. But the only way you can maintain that level of respect for yourself is when you don't get taken by him telling you everything you want to hear by him saying and doing all the right things. Okay. So it's really important. Like, and, and I say this for all the ladies out there for the guys too, really, but especially for the ladies. And I think, you know, this, I do think like dating is such a more, it's so much more of a vulnerable, uh, vulnerable process for women. And that's why, yes, guys will experience a lot of these same things, but I feel like women are so much more vulnerable in, in these dynamics. So that's why I say for the ladies out there, like, don't be an easy sale. Don't let some guy just come into your life and tell you all the things you want to hear and you just go, I'm yours. Like, don't be that. It's it's not going to go well for you. And I say this out of like love and like wanting you to do well. Like, don't be an easy sale. Actually be a challenge to some degree. Challenge this person to step up for you because your, your challenge will reveal their inauthenticity. Okay. So that's the first thing. Now, the next reason a man might disappear. Um, And and like, there's a lot of nuance here. So I'm going to try, I'm going to try to speak into, I'm going to try to speak into um, some of the different situations that might occur. I mean, if if I were to try to talk about everything, we'd be here all day, but I'm going to try to speak into some of the different situations that might occur. And so let's say you meet a guy who's not living in narcissist consciousness. Okay. He is, he is, um, you know, to some degree undoing it, but maybe he still has a lot of toxic masculinity in his life. Maybe he has a lot of friends who still share these ideals. Maybe, you know, he follows certain pages on social media that promote these ideals. Maybe there, I mean, you know, there are all different ways that this could be, right? But, but in some way in his life, like he's still struggling with this. So basically what this man is going through is he's going through like in his heart, feeling that he wants more, feeling that he wants deeper connection, feeling that he wants more intimacy, feeling that he wants more authenticity in his relationships. While having this cultural pressure to be this stereotypical man, Right. Who never lets a woman have power over him, who never shows his vulnerability, who is strong and tough under all circumstances. Right. So he's so he's kind of caught somewhere in the middle of wanting these deeper, heartfelt aspects, but having this cultural pressure to be a certain kind of man. Now, if you end up on a date with this kind of man, like it's kind of like drawing a wild card because this this could go anywhere. And you literally have no idea where this guy is gonna go. He might lean more into the relationship. He might pull away from it. And like, it literally is a wild card. It literally is chance because it literally just depends on what happens. You might have a great date with him and, and he might feel like more connected than he's ever felt in his life. And he might be like, yes, this is what I want. And then he goes and talks to one of his friends And he tells his friend about this experience and his friend goes, you really going to let some girl have power over you like that? You know, you really, you really going to get like wifed up like that, bro? Like, you know, and again, I, I feel like stupid even saying this shit because it sounds so ridiculous to say it out loud. Like, but, but there are guys who actually talk like this and this is actually their reality. And I know because like this was my dad and this was all of my dad's friends and this was the environment I grew up in for quite a few years. Okay so like this there there are like lots of men who literally live in this consciousness they talk this shit they tell it all to each other it sounds ridiculous it sounds stupid but it's just it's real right so so here's this guy maybe you have an amazing connection with him you hit it off you feel like wow this could really go somewhere he feels like wow it could really go somewhere and then he goes and talks to one of his friends and his friend fills his head with this bullshit And then he gets freaked out and he's like, yeah, you know, maybe not. Maybe I'll just keep playing the field. And so he disappears or he ghosts you, right? Like that's an example of something that could happen. That kind of man also might not even need to talk to his friend, right? That kind of man also, he might just, he might just freak out on his own, Because he has all this stuff in his head, because he has all this programming, because you know, he's been living this for so long, right? So he might just freak out on his own and be like, I don't know if I could do this. You know, this is a lot for me. I don't know if I'm ready for this. Like, I just, I don't know. It might just freak him out. And so he might just disappear. Right? So this is, uh, this is, again, just, it it depends on where he is. And, And that same man, he might also, by sheer chance, by sheer luck, he might just keep moving forward in the relationship and the relationship might help him grow through it. Actually, that's also a possibility. So that's why I say if, if, you meet a guy who's in that place, it's kind of a wild card. Like he is, he is so conflicted within himself that he just, he just doesn't know what's going to happen. Like, and like, and you, you wouldn't know either. Right? Like he wants it, but he doesn't want it, but he's struggling, but he has a lot of pressure in his life, but he also feels it. And, and there's something there. Like it, it's really just a wild card where that man might go. Now the next kind of man, and I, I identified four of them, of, of course, like I'm making generalizations here. Okay. There are varying degrees of all of this, but I'm making generalizations. And, and in these generalizations, I'm, I'm identifying four kinds of men. Okay, the first one is like narcissistic consciousness, completely self absorbed, uses women as objects, no desire for any kind of real, authentic relationship. Okay, the second kind of man is someone who has some desire for a real relationship, but he also has a lot of baggage, a lot of old thinking, old historical stuff, a lot of toxic masculinity in his life that he hasn't let go of or worked through yet. Okay, that guy's a wild card. You don't know where he's gonna go. Then you have this guy who is on a healing path who has chosen a healing path for himself, who is doing the work, who is waking up to these things, who is genuinely trying to be an honorable man, but he's also not quite there yet. And I'll say, like, just honestly, this is where I was when I met my wife. So when I met my wife, I it's, it's so funny. Like, I, I said this to my wife, and she, thank God, she, like, had a little faith in me. <laughs> but... But like, I, I want to give you some context for this, okay? Because when I met my wife, I had been trying to find a partner for years because I I, I thought it's what I wanted. Then I got involved with this woman who, she was like this super spiritual girl, and she was cool, good person, I you know. I, I wish her well wherever she is. She's an awesome person. But, um you know, I got involved with her, and she was like, she was on this spiritual kick that I don't, I don't align with anymore. I actually, I don't find this to be accurate or true about the spiritual journey. I actually, well, let me just share where she was. So she was on the spiritual kick, and she kind of enrolled me in it was she was saying like, we don't need to have attachments to other people. You know, we need to be free. We, you know, love should not be confined to a relationship between two people. Love should be, you know, shared equally among everyone. And, and again, in terms of principle, I do align with a lot of these ideas. But in terms of how it looks in relationship, I tend to disagree. So she was basically saying, like, we should have open relationships you know, love should be free and equally shared among everyone. And we should choose to like sleep with or be sexual with people that we feel inclined to that with. And, and, you know, but, but there should be no like obligation or commitment there. It should just be free when it feels right, when it feels appropriate. And this is kind of where she was coming from. And me being kind of like the spiritual hippie dude that I am. um, I, I bought into it. I was like, you know, that fits, that resonates. I, I feel that. And so, I was like, I was a little conflicted when I met my wife because I had just gotten out of relation out of a relationship with this woman, who was completely like, uh, she wasn't a nightmare. She was awesome, but our relationship was a nightmare because it like we just wanted completely different things. And so I was kind of conflicted when I met my wife, and now I was in this place of like. You know, I don't know if I want a relationship or not. Like I thought I did for a lot of years, but now I, but now like I also, you know, have been entertaining this open relationship and I'm thinking maybe that's the way it should be. And my wife was really amazing in, in this because she, she kind of called forth my greatness and she was like, okay, well, I get that that's how you feel. And that's fine. But if you're going to be with me, like, this is how it's going to be. And I need you to get clear on, you know, if if you want that. So she, she kind of, she challenged me in that respect. And that's why I say like, you know, don't be an easy sale because she wasn't, she was like, no, like I'm like, I need you to like, I need you to like figure some things out and get clear about it. So, so she actually called forth my greatness in that. And, and where I got to was like, you know what? Like, no, I, I do like, if if this works out between us and we can have a committed relationship, like I would want that. And so I got clear about that within myself. So, so this guy is, so this third guy, and this is the guy I was when I met my wife, right? This third guy is like on a healing journey. He's trying to be an honorable man. He's doing the work. He's let go of a lot of like the toxic masculinity and, you know, that stuff. And he's really like, he honors and respects women and appreciates and is like trying to do his best. And, and also like, he's a little bit conflicted. He's not really super clear on what he wants in relationship yet. Right. So we could say he's maybe 75% of the way there. So this is where, like, this man, he's not a complete wild card. Like, he can definitely become a committed man. He definitely can. But this is where you've got to really, as a woman, call him into that and let him know that, like, if he's fucking around, he's going to lose you. Right. So if you meet this guy, it's like, it's like, dude, like it's time for you to shit or get off the pot. Excuse my language there. But, but right. It's like, like, it's time for you to really get clear and man up or, or you're not going to have an opportunity in this relationship. Right. So you, you've got to call that guy into his greatness, call him into choosing that for himself. Now the, the fourth guy, and this guy is actually the easiest, but also the rarest and this fourth guy is, is just the guy who, Uh, he knows what he wants. Again, maybe he grew up in a family where his father loved his mother and they had a really great marriage and you know, his his father always spoke very highly about his mother. He always told him like, son, you need to find a good woman. That's going to be the secret to your success because this is what the healthy masculine says, right? The healthy masculine says like, find a good woman and she'll be the secret to your success. Every domain of your life is going to get better when you have a good woman in your life, right? Like that's, that's what the healthy masculine says. Toxic Masculine says, use women as objects and never give them any power over you, right? So just to give you an idea of this kind of spectrum here. So this guy, he knows he wants a relationship. He's all in. He's just trying to find the right woman, right? So this guy is actually, I mean, in terms of creating a relationship, he's the easiest one because he's just like, yes, I want it. Let's move forward. So... I just want to say, I've seen a lot of you asking questions in terms of how do you challenge a man? How do you call a man into his greatness? How long did you and your wife date to figure this out? So I, I see a lot of questions on these things and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come back to those questions. So thank you. They're fantastic questions. I definitely want to speak into them. So let me just finish up with this and then I'll, and then I'll get into those questions. Because there is, there's, just, there's a lot of nuance here. So I need to stay on track with this Otherwise, I'm going to go off in all these different directions, but I'll come back and get to those questions for sure. So, what I what I want to really um, what I want to really illustrate here is that you know when men when men disappear or don't call or ghost you or you know whatever it might be, like they're Usually when that happens, you're dealing with men who are in these lower levels of consciousness, right? Either they're they're either they're like all the way in like narcissistic consciousness, or maybe they're not all the way over there, but they still have a lot of this toxic masculinity. They still have a lot of this like old stuff. They haven't, they haven't grown into their like desire for authenticity and their desire for intimacy. They're still trying to be like this macho dude who, you know, you know the type right so if if you meet one of those kinds of guys if you meet if you meet a guy who is in that level of consciousness and there are a lot of them out there like it, it what I'd say is like it's just a wild card like there there's a strong chance that they're just going to disappear especially when you add in not only their own masculine challenges but then the fact that we live in a culture which which I was talking about earlier where, you know, the dating apps and just kind of makes everybody disposable anyway. It just, it, we've, which, you know, the way the culture is, it's caused us to lose that sacredness of the authentic connection between two people, right? So so the combination of so many men are living in lower levels of consciousness and we live in a society where, you know, especially in dating, people are treated like they're disposable. These are, these are just the, these are just things to be aware of, right? Because if you meet some of these guys, there's just a strong chance that they're going to ghost you or they're going to disappear. And what, what I want to say, like for the ladies who are listening to this is there's nothing you can really do to prevent that. If you meet one of these two guys, right? Like if you meet, if you meet a guy who's all the way in like narcissistic levels of consciousness, like just pray, he disappears before he takes up too much space in your life. Okay. So like, you don't, you actually don't want to hang on to that guy and the guy who's like a little bit of a level up from that, you know, that guy, like, yeah, he's not a narcissist necessarily, but he's still got a lot of work to do. And so if he disappears, like be okay with it, because it was going to be a lot of work with that guy and it, and like if he wasn't in a place where he was like able to like kind of keep moving forward with you then it's then it's just good to let him go really so what what i want to say because so many of you ladies you send me questions all the time of like why did he disappear what did i do wrong could i have said something differently should should i not have talked about this or that or the other thing or should i not have slept with him should i not have and like what i want to say is like you probably didn't really do anything wrong He was probably just one of those guys who was in that lower level of consciousness. He wasn't emotionally prepared for larger levels of commitment and he was going to disappear at some point. If it wasn't after the first date, it was going to be after the fifth date. You know, if like, if you, so like, yeah, I just want to say that, like that was probably going to happen anyway. And so for the ladies, you want to, you want to develop a little bit of like thick skin around this, knowing that there are a lot of men out there that are not ready for these higher levels of commitment. And that these men are just going to disappear. And so what I want to say is the way you, the way you kind of protect yourself against that is to be aware that that's going to happen to not invest too much too early on. Like I would say, and I think I've said this before, like I would give it a good five dates before you really start investing a lot emotionally with someone. And, and that might sound like a lot, like some of you are hoping to be in a committed relationship by the fifth date and, and like, yeah, it's, it's possible. Like if you meet the guy who, like I said, that guy who's ready for commitment, who grew up in a great family, who knows exactly what he wants, who's just looking for his wife. Right? Like if you meet that guy, then yeah, you might be in in a certain level of commitment by date five, but if you meet one of these other guys, it's going to take till date five, just, just for you to get an idea of who he is. And so don't invest too quickly. As I said earlier, don't be an easy sale. Like really, really carry yourself in a way where you expect a man to show up for you, where you expect him to step up for you, where you're really looking for that healthy, strong, masculine presence of like, look, you know, are you going to make the effort here? Are you going to plan dates for us? Are you going to like, like this is what I want to say. is like, I was, I was a little bit, Confused when I met my wife, as I shared earlier. Like I, I was a little bit confused, but I want to also tell you like what I did. Like three weeks after we started talking, I booked a plane ticket to go see her in New Jersey. And and I started booking a plane ticket for like every two weeks after that. Right? Like we were like I was rearranging my life to make space for this relationship. So on the one hand, I wasn't perfectly clear about everything. I I had a little bit of things to work out, but on the other hand, I was showing up with dedication, commitment, and sincere interest, right? Like I wasn't, I wasn't making her guess about where I stood. I was letting her know very clearly where I stood. I was letting her know that I wanted to see her again. I was letting her know that I wanted this relationship to work. So, so I, I say all of this to say that like, you want to expect someone to step up for you you want to expect someone to show up for you you want to give a little bit of space give a little bit of time to like let them let them fail a little bit like give them space to fail give them space to show you that they're not the one you're looking for give them space to reveal that they're not that strong healthy masculine presence that you're looking for Don't be sold too easily. You know, give it, like I said, five dates before you invest too much with this person. That's how you protect yourself. Because you really, on first date, first few dates, you really don't know who you're getting. And, you know, like, yeah, a lot of guys just lack skills. A lot of guys just don't know how to carry on a conversation. They don't know how to ask deep, insightful questions. They don't know how to you you know, be super engaged or super interested, but some guys actually do and they've learned to use those things as a manipulation tool, right? So I know what happens for a lot of women, a lot of women is you've been on maybe 10 dates with guys who are kind of dull and boring and, you know, you don't have a great conversation. You don't feel a great connection. And then all of a sudden you have this great date with someone who just is, is great at conversation and great at connecting. And he asks interesting questions and he has interesting things to share. And he makes you feel very special and very important. And like he wants to know you and like your life is very interesting and very important. And as soon as you experience that, you go like, Oh my God, I've finally made a great connection. I've been waiting so long for this. And like you become sold instantly. And I even, I hate to be the one to say this because like I, I wish this wasn't the truth, but you know, like, yeah, you might be meeting a really connected guy who has a sincere interest in a relationship and like wants to take it for wants to move it forward with you. And you also might be meeting someone that has learned how to be that way as a manipulative tactic, as a way to make you feel that so you get hooked. And this is why I say, give it a space of like five dates before you invest too much with anyone. You know, if someone shows up really connected and really awesome on a first date and you get really excited and you think, wow, that was an amazing connection. I haven't felt like this in a long time. Like I'm so excited to have met someone like awesome. Like feel that excitement. I I don't want to, I don't want to deprive you of that excitement. Like that's a good thing and feel it, but balance it with, okay, well I don't know who this person is. This is exciting. I'm glad I've made a good connection. I'm glad I've met an interesting person. I'm glad they were interested in me. Like this was a great first date. I'm excited about what the second date's going to be like, but also like ground yourself in let's see how this unfolds over the next five dates. Right? Let's see if we even make it to five dates, right? Like be aware, even tell yourself that moment, like, look, this was a really great initial connection but this guy might ghost me. This guy might disappear and not like, I don't want you there's, there's a a really important nuance to address here because I don't want you to assume they will like that. That starts to lend into cynicism and cynicism is really, really bad energy because you become nihilistic, you become disconnected, you assume the worst about everything. So like, I'm not telling you to become cynical. I want you to keep that hope alive, keep that excitement alive, keep that joy alive, but also have the awareness that says, this guy might ghost me. And if he does, it's okay, right? Like if he disappears, that's his stuff. That's his journey. That's where he's at in his life. It doesn't mean I'm not okay. It doesn't mean I'm not enough. It doesn't mean I did something wrong. That's just, he's just in that level of his evolution where he does that. And I always say like, if someone ghosts you, like they're revealing that they don't even have the decency to acknowledge that you had a great date, right? If you have a great date with someone and they disappear after that, that person doesn't even have the decency to say, Hey, I just want to thank you for the date we had. And it was really great getting to know you. And you know, I've got some stuff going on. I'm not ready to take it any further right now, but it's really nice meeting you, right? Like that person doesn't even have the decency to do that. And that's how you can find your closure and say like, okay, like this person doesn't even have the decency to honor what we did have together. So that demonstrates to me that they're not the kind of person I was looking for anyway. That's where you can find your closure around this. But, you know, you wanna give it some space to unfold. Give it some time for them to reveal themselves. Give it some time to find out which one of these four guys you're meeting, you're getting to know. And then, yeah, I, you know, I, I think I've said, I think I've said the most important things on this, but, but yeah, it it is, it's, it's tricky and there's, there's a lot of nuance here. And I just want to say like, I, I know it's challenging. I know it's challenging. And, you know, I, I know what it was like to be a man who was dating women And that wasn't easy either. I mean, you know, women can be manipulative. They can play all kinds of games. They can definitely lead you on and put you in the friend zone. And, you know, like, I mean, I remember being in situations where I, you know, would be friend zoned by a woman, but she was leading me on you know, making me think that it was gonna go somewhere. And then one day she introduces me to this guy and tells me how much she likes him. And and I'm feeling like I just took a dagger to the heart because I've been given my best effort for the last six months with this person, right? So, you know, I, I've definitely had some of those experiences, but I'm also aware that, you know, the position that women are in when it comes to dating men, it it just seems like so much more vulnerable than what I went through. And, um. And so I I just want to acknowledge, like, I, I think it is just such a more vulnerable situation and, and that's why it's so important that you really maintain your power and, you know, don't be an easy sale. Don't be too available. Don't fall too quickly. You know, expect a man to step up for you and, and before you become sold on someone, like look for that in, in a man, right? So that's, That's, um, that's really the message. And I want to go back to some of these questions because there were some great questions earlier. Um, I also see somebody just posted here. Hopefully there's a link to listen since the beginning till the end, please. Um, yeah. So uh, again, I've said this many times, but all of the, all of the episodes are available on my podcast. So it's called the conscious love show. You can find it on all major podcast platforms. That's Apple, Google, Spotify, um, Amazon iHeartRadio, radio and so on all the platforms so yes if you'd like to catch this full episode go to any major podcast platform look up the conscious love show and you will have access to this full episode and many many others all right so yes thank you um, thank you for the question and yes please go find the the show and subscribe um someone says we don't get friend zoned we get sex zoned yeah and I, I actually I believe that's true. And that's one of the reasons why I say it's such a, it's so much more of a vulnerable position to be in. Right. Be- because of what you just said. One of the reasons anyway. So yeah, absolutely. And like knowing, knowing that that is the reality of the situation that you're dealing with. That's, that's why you want to, that's why you want to be present to like what you need to do to protect yourself within the situation. And you know, it's, it's so important because I don't want you to be protective. I don't want you to be guarded, you know? So there's, there's such a balance here in, you know, knowing your standards, knowing who you are, what you're willing to accept, what you're not, knowing where your boundaries are, knowing where you're willing to go with someone and where you're not willing to go, right? Like these things are very important, but then as long as you live by these standards, and you live by these boundaries and you expect that respect and that honor before you make yourself available for someone. Like, as long as you live by that, then your, your protection is in place. Your safety is in place. And so that's, that's when you have the freedom to not be guarded and to not be defensive and to not be protective, right? Because your protections in place, all you need to do is honor your standards, honor your boundaries, And then you can be as free and as open and as available as you want to be because your protection is in place. It's when we don't have our standards and our boundaries in place that we feel unsafe and unprotected. And that's when we've got to go into being guarded or manipulative or all this other stuff, right? So it's important. Now, I want to go back to some of these questions because there were some great ones. This question is from Wonder33woman. And she asks, how do you challenge a good man in a good way? I've been so conditioned to toxic relationships that I don't know how to act. Okay. Beautiful question. And I want to work with the word challenge here, because when I talk about challenge and I've, you know, I've been sharing this for a lot of years now, this idea of, of challenging a man to step up for you. And a lot of people say, don't challenge a man that'll drive him away, which is, is not true. But if you, If you have this, um, if you challenge in a way where you're like aggressive or mean or like criticizing or, or, or nagging or like pointing out things he's doing wrong. Yeah. Like that, like no man, or I don't, I don't think anybody would really respond to that. Right. So when I, when I talk about challenging someone. I don't mean to like challenge them in like to be antagonistic or to be aggressive or to be mean or to say mean things, right? Challenging someone to step up for you is more about being a challenge for them, right? It's it's more about, as I said earlier, not being an easy sale. So I'll just give a few examples of like simple challenges is, you know, he might say, hey, can I take you out on Friday night? And you might, this would be a way to challenge him, right, is you might say, sorry, I'm not available on Friday night, but I will definitely make myself available on Sunday or Saturday if you'd like to, right? So you're you're letting him know that, like, no, I'm not just available whenever you ask, whenever you want, but I'm available on this day if you want to make yourself available for me. Now, I want to be clear. If you are available on Friday, say yes, okay? Like that... If, if, you're just, if you're just doing it to make him jump through hoops, well, now you're just being annoying, okay? And, and like, he's, he's not going to respond to that. So I'm not telling you to unnecessarily make him jump through hoops. But I'm also saying if you have plans on Friday, don't cancel or rearrange your plans just because you want to see him. And, and I would also say this even goes for if you have plans with yourself. And I've had many of my clients tell me like, you know, a guy asked me out on Friday night and I said, no. And the reason I said no was because I had plans to take a bubble bath and make dinner and watch a movie. And I was really looking forward to that. And I didn't want to miss out on that. Right. And like, I love that. I just love that so much because it's like, that is putting things in the proper order. Right. It's like, no, my life comes first. My commitments come first whether that's to self-care, whether that's to my children, whether it's to my career, whether, but like, whatever it is, it's like, my life is the priority. My love for myself is the priority. And then the attention or validation or relationship with something else is secondary to that. So yeah, if I have plans with myself on Friday night, damn straight, I'm not going to cancel them to see you. I'm excited about that. I'm looking forward to that. That's my self-care time. That's my time to be connected to myself. That's my time to really relax. And, you know, especially for the ladies, like that's your time to relax into your feminine energy when you don't have to produce or make things happen. You can just be, you can just experience yourself. You can just be with yourself, right? So like that's super important time. And no, don't cancel that for him, right? So so that would be a really good example of a way to challenge him. And the message you're communicating there is like, no, I, it's actually, there's, there's something really beautiful about this because without, without ever saying this, you're communicating so much. You're communicating that I am an individual. I am a human being. I have a life. I have commitments. I have things that are important to me, right? I have, I have thoughts and feelings and desires of my own that are completely independent from you that were there before you ever came into my life. And I am very committed to honoring those things. And I'm not going to sell those things out just because you're here now. And you're communicating all of that by simply saying, I'm not available on Friday night, but if you want to take me out on Sunday, I would love to see you. Now, you're also challenging him to step up for you in that you want him to make himself available. Right now, of course he might not be available on Sunday either. Maybe he's having dinner with his parents or maybe he's, you know, got a bachelor party with the guys or whatever, right? Like, you know, he might have something. Okay. So, so you don't want to be like so much about like, well, you need to meet me on my schedule. Like, no, that's nasty and that's rude. So that's when you would compromise. You would say, okay, well, what if we tried Tuesday or what if we tried Thursday? Right? Of course I'm, I'm, I'm not telling you to be disagreeable about this but I'm just telling you to not be so available to not be so, to not be so easy right now. Another great way to be a challenge. And I know this is one that people get in an uproar about and I'm sorry, but it's just the way it is. Another way to be a challenge is like to say, you're not going to sleep with him right away and culturally men. And like, look, even, even though I was raised by a great mom, I still got to know my dad a little bit. And my dad taught me to sleep with every woman you get, every chance you get. I'm not saying that's right. I'm not saying that's the way it should be. I'm just letting you know that many men, if not most or all men, have been conditioned in this, this kind of ideology. It's it's definitely not all men, because I also grew up in church and the men there are not doing that, okay? But, but there's a huge culture of men who are taught to sleep with a woman every chance they get as soon as they can, even at all costs. Like if you hurt her, it doesn't matter. Like just, just get yours. So one of the ways to challenge a man is by choosing not to sleep with him. And most men are going to be ready to go there immediately. You know, first date, second date, like they're just, they're they're just ready to go there. Why? Because basically their whole life they've been conditioned to take every chance they get. And. You, when you choose not to sleep with him right away, like here's this guy who is, you know, probably operating with some degree of toxic masculinity in that he doesn't, uh, he doesn't acknowledge the sacredness of sex, which is a feminine thing to do, right? He doesn't acknowledge the specialness of, of being with someone in that way. He doesn't acknowledge the intense vulnerability and energetic exchange that takes place when you're intimate with someone in that way right? He's disconnected from all that, which being disconnected from that is a degree of toxic masculinity. Doesn't mean he's a toxic person. Doesn't mean he's a toxic guy overall, but he may have that degree in him. And so what you're basically doing when you say, no, I'm not going to sleep with you right away, is you're, you're challenging him to put that aside for you. And, and you're saying, no, I, I would like us to wait until we get to know each other a little better until I feel comfortable going there with you, right? So basically what you're doing is you're challenging him to put aside this cultural motivation that he's had his whole life for you. You're challenging him to value the, the relationship and the possibility of the relationship that you could create together and, and to put aside his immediate desires, his immediate need to like get that hit of validation or release or whatever, whatever that is for him, right? You're, you're asking him to put that aside and and make the relationship with you more important than that. Okay. That is an excellent way to challenge a man, especially because we live in a world where so many men are trying to get laid at every chance they could possibly get. Right? So that is an excellent way to challenge a man. Um, Some other ways to do it, I mean, it would just be by, like, another way to do it would be talking about a relationship, right? So, again, we live in a world where men are conditioned to be noncommittal, right? Where where men are conditioned to kind of hold back the commitment as long as they can. Now, I know not all men do that. I've said this already, right? Some men are ready for commitment but there's a huge narrative of men in the world that are taught to hold back commitment as long as they can or to, to avoid that commitment. And so one of the ways you can challenge a man is by talking about that, by saying, even on a first date, like, Hey, you know, this has been a great night. I've really enjoyed our time together. I've really enjoyed talking to you. I would definitely like to see you again. But before we, before we go there, I would just like to ask you a question. You know, I'm, I am looking for a real relationship. I am looking for a partner. I one day want to have a family, you know? So before we start talking about a second date or just, you know, going down, uh, you know, letting this go too far, I just, I just want to know, like, are you looking for those same things? You know, is that something you would like for yourself? Right? It's a great way to challenge a man. And, and I would say when you ask that question on a first date, you know, he might say yes, he might be like, yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm looking for that. And that's an acceptable answer, right? He also might say, I don't really know. He he might say, like, you know, like I, I just, I honestly, I don't know. Like, I, I I don't really know where I stand with that. I don't know how I feel about it. And if he says that, this is what I would tell you to say in, in response. He, he uh, you would say, um, you would say, okay, well, I, I get that and I respect that. But I just want to let you know that if we continue seeing each other, I'm going to need you to get clear about that and and give me an answer before we get too far here. And so I'm just going to ask that you think about that and give it some thought and let me know. Right. So again, it's not like, oh, well, if you don't know, then I'm not going to see you anymore. Like, no, don't be like that. Just let him know, like hold your standard. Right. And then maybe two dates later, you bring it up again. It's like, hey, you know, this has been a really great few dates, but if by now you still aren't clear, then I honestly, I don't want to take this any further because I'm going to get emotionally involved and that's just going to hurt me. And so if you can't get clear about where you stand on this, then I'm just going to need to let you go until you can, and, or if you can. And if not, like that's cool too, and I wish you well. Right? So these would be some really great ways to challenge a man, to challenge him to step up for you, Now notice there was nothing aggressive about anything I said. Actually all of this in the way I communicated it was coming from a very feminine place, coming from a very compassionate, understanding, wise, connected, vulnerable place. Those are all feminine qualities. Okay? So there's nothing like aggressive or harsh about this, but it's just a matter of holding your standards and communicating your standards and giving him the opportunity to rise up to those standards. Now he will either choose to do that or he will not. But just going back to what I talked about earlier is you maintaining those standards is what's going to reveal the kind of man he is. Right? If he's a narcissist, he will blow over your standards. He will walk all over them. He will stomp them into the ground and he'll laugh in your face about it. Okay? if he's the kind of guy who's not a narcissist, but just isn't really that woke and isn't really that aware and isn't really on a healing path, well then he'll hear your standards. And to a degree he might respect them, but he'll probably be intimidated by them. And in most cases, he'll probably just disappear because he's just going to feel like this is a lot. I don't really know what to do with this. And I don't really know if I'm ready for this. And and he'll just kind of fall off the face of the earth. If you meet a guy who's on a healing path, a guy who has some awareness, a guy who has some consciousness, he's going to really try to honor your standards. He's going to really try to respect them. And even if, even if he can't honor all of them or respect them, because maybe for whatever reason, he's just not in the place, he's going to talk to you about it. He's going to communicate about it, right? So your standards, your boundaries, you holding them and communicating them is what challenges a man to step up for you. This is how you find out the kind of man that he really is in his heart. And if you don't do this, if you don't have these boundaries and you don't have these standards, well, that's when you fall into the manipulative tactics, the playing the hot and cold, the, you know, I'm not going to text him for three days to see how he likes it and right. You fall into all that stuff when you don't have your clear boundaries and your clear standards. When you have your clear boundaries and your clear standards, you don't need that stuff because you're just authentically honoring you and that's enough. Okay. So great question. Beautiful, beautiful question. There were a couple more that were similar and I just want to, um, kind of speak into all of these because they're, they're so important to what we're talking about today. So this question from trust the path, um, there's actually just lost it. Hold on. Um, There are actually, I think, two questions here. Um, Yeah, so she says, how long did you date and see if you connected? Did she say you need to decide? Was the first one. And then did she say it right away what she wanted or first relax and see if you just connect? Okay, these are awesome questions. And thank you for asking us because this really gets into the nuance of the situation. So she's going back to, I was sharing how um, when I met my wife, And I'll just kind of recap for anyone who might have just joined in. Um, so when I met my wife, I I talked about how I was, I was on a healing path. I was definitely working to be like a strong, healthy, masculine man. I, I definitely had like immense respect for women and I was, I was doing my best to like be respectful in all of my interactions. So that's kind of where I was. And at the same time, I had also just been in an open relationship for six months. And I wasn't sure if I wanted to explore more open relationships or if I wanted a committed relationship. And so I was, I was kind of in a weird place, right? I was, I was on the path, I was doing the work, I was healing, I was growing, I was learning, but I also wasn't like super clear that like, yes, I want a committed relationship and I'm ready to dive in. Right. And so the question she's asking here is how long did like basically how much time did my wife give me to figure this out? And so what I want to say was when we first had the conversation was after we had already been dating for about a month, um, we were already being physical together. And when it came up, um, when it came up, when we talked about it, basically what she said was okay, well, especially since we're being physical together, like I want, I want to know that you're only seeing me right now. And if you see someone else, like I want to know about it and, and like, that's going to be like when things stop between us. So that's, that's kind of where she left it. And I assured her, I said, look, I am very interested in this relationship. I promise you, I will not be seeing anyone else. And, and so, and so we made that agreement there. Now that, That was an agreement for exclusivity. And we made that agreement the very first time we talked about it. So that was about a month into our relationship. Now, like, I just want to give you some context here. Like we had been speaking on the phone every day. She had made multiple trips down to South Florida where I was. I had made a trip up to New Jersey to see her. So, so there was like, we had already invested quite a bit in this relationship. So before we even talked about commitment, the future exclusivity, like we had just, we had already spent a lot of time getting to know each other and we had already shown like a strong commitment on both sides. Okay. So where, when we were having this conversation, this is where we were. And so when it came up, I brought it up and I said, like, I I actually brought it up myself. She didn't have to bring it up. I brought it up myself. And basically what I said is, you know, I don't, I don't know where I stand in terms of like long-term commitment, but, but I want you to know that right now I'm only seeing you and I want you to know that is what I said to her. And that's when she responded and she said to me, okay, um, And she didn't like that by the way. She was like, I don't really like that you just said that, but she's like, I accept it. And you know, while we're being physical together, like I wanna know that you're only seeing me. And if you choose to see someone else, I wanna know about that. And that's gonna be the end of this, right? So that was basically her boundary, right? She was giving me some space to figure this out. And at the same time, she was also like, look, this is my boundary. Like if we're gonna be physical together, I need to know you're only with me. And if, if we stop, if you decide to see someone else, like I'm going to, I'm going to take that as the end of this for us. So that was her boundary that she communicated. And I honored that boundary. Now, um, like it, it wasn't long after that, that I got clear. And what I would say is that she started and I've shared before, like she brought up the conversation is really Powerful to me that she brought up this conversation of like, you know, if we end up together, are you going to still be traveling for work? Right. And so the way it kind of worked is there there wasn't a lot of conversation of her being like, are you ready to be committed? Are you ready to be committed? Are You know, but it was more like we just talked about our life. Right. So we talked about like, so, you know, if we end up together long term, are we going to live in Florida? Or are we going to live in New Jersey? How would that look? We talked about, you know, the fact that she wanted children and do I want children? And we talked about that. That was another thing I wasn't clear about. Right. To which she said, like I, I I communicated to her. Um, I was like, well, I don't really know if I want kids, you know, it's, it's, it hasn't always been a part of my life when I've, when I thought that I wanted to have kids. Um, there have been times when I thought I did want kids, but I don't really know. And so what she said to me is like, okay, well I do want kids. And so like, I want you to know that if we end up together, like that's going to be the, the direction we're headed. And like, I need you, if you don't want kids to get clear about that and let me know, because if we move forward in this relationship, I'm going to assume that like, we're moving into the direction of having a family. Right? So that again, once again, that was her boundary. That was her challenge for me. She made it clear that like, okay, if, if I move forward in this relationship, like part of that commitment is that we're going to have a family. And so I had to really sit with myself and think about it. Like, okay, can I be okay with that? Do I want to move forward in this relationship? And I ultimately did. So, um, you know, I would say like within three months of our, of our dating and and talking, a lot of this was worked out, right? Uh, Like it, it it definitely, it, it really didn't go beyond three months. Like within three months, Um, we were exclusive. We were both on the same page about wanting a committed relationship with each other. We both knew that committing to this relationship meant committing to a family long-term. We also knew that committing to this relationship meant that I would ultimately move to New Jersey And the reason for that was because my work was flexible. I traveled for work. I could work from anywhere. Her work was tied to New Jersey and, you know, she had a 20 year history in her business here in New Jersey, and she wasn't just going to leave that. Right. So like we got clear about all those things within the first three months. Um, so I hope that answers your question in terms of how long did, did it go? There was definitely a window of time where we were talking about these things and working these things out. And to a large degree, you know, she, she was like, let me put it this way. She was more clear about what she wanted than I was. I was, I was still kind of figuring out what I wanted. I had an idea, but I wasn't crystal clear about it yet. She was crystal clear about it. And so she was very clear with me about, this is what I want. You know, when I imagine a future, this is what it looks like. And I need to know if you're someone I can create this future with. And that put me in the position of really searching my own heart, asking myself these questions and getting clear about my answers to them. And there, there was definitely a period of that, but I would say all of that was kind of sorted out within three months of us being together. All right. So, um, yeah, great questions. And, and I would say like, I, I do think that those kinds of basic things can be discussed and sorted out within three months definitely within 6 months. I mean, definitely within 6 months. If you're going into like 8, 9 months going on a year in a relationship and you haven't like gotten on the same page about some of these basic things, you're basically just drifting. And and the future is a wild card. Like uh, if I'm going to say that, if you've if you've gotten beyond 6 months and you haven't clarified these basic things, you're just drifting and your future is a wild card. So like definitely it's important in the beginning to talk about these things, to clarify, to communicate these things, to, to hold your ground, to own your truth about it. And you know, I, I, these weren't necessarily my exact or, or these weren't necessarily my wife's exact words, but it was the way she communicated about it. And so you can use your own words with this, but the way she communicated about it was when I imagine my life, when I imagine my future, this is what it looks like. And I want to know if you're someone that I can create this future with. So I would say, again, you can use your own words for that, but that's the sentiment. That's what you really want to communicate. And it is so important you communicate that because that's that's how you establish a foundation for your relationship. That's how you know what you're building on. You know, it's like if you build a house, the first thing you do is you lay the foundation, right? It's like, and then you build the whole house on top of that. But the foundation determines the whole house. Like the foundation needs to have certain specs. It needs to be a certain size, if there's going to be a basement included in it or not, right? Like the foundation has certain specs that determines how the rest of the house is going to be. If you don't lay the foundation, Then you have no clue how the rest of your house is going to be. Your foundation just gets laid randomly based on whatever you happen to talk about or not and the assumptions that both of you make. You just have kind of a random foundation and then you're going to build a random house on top of it. So that's why, yeah, in the first three months, like talk about these things, clarify these things. So moving forward, you know if you're moving forward with something that has real potential or not. I did an episode a few weeks ago um, where I spoke about how you know a relationship has real potential, and one of the biggest things I talked about in that episode was having these conversations, clarifying these things, right? Because that is how you know. Um, okay, I want to take one. I want to take uh, one more question here. This question comes from Catherine. She says, how do you call someone into their greatness? What would be some early stage actions a woman could take? Okay, so beautiful question. And I, I spoke earlier about how my wife called me into my greatness, right? Uh, so that was, and, and I've, I've given some examples of that already, right? But it was kind of, it was basically her being, her being the one to hold that line. And, and basically say like, look, you're not just gonna move forward in this relationship with me in any kind of way you want to, right? Like she really held that line. She really said, if you're gonna move forward with me, we're gonna move forward on a certain basis. We're gonna move forward on certain terms. We're gonna move forward in a way that I feel really good about, that I feel really safe about, that I feel like honored and respected. And she she held that line. And I wanna say like, my wife has always said prior to me, her relationships only lasted for two months, right? So like prior to me and there was one guy she was married to for three years and like, and she would say that that was kind of a relationship where she just kind of settled and neither of them were that happy. And, and ultimately it just, it was not meant to last and it never would have lasted. Um, but after that she started getting really conscious about the, the people she would date and the kind of relationships she would end up in. She started approaching it from a very conscious way, from a very empowered way, being very clear about what she wanted. And she always said that all her relationships only lasted two months. And it was funny, like when, you know, when she looks back on it and all those years that her relationships were only lasting two months, she thought she was doing something wrong because she's like, my relationships never go anywhere. There's something wrong with me. My relationships never work out. And then when she got with me, what she realized was it's not that there was something wrong. It's actually that she was doing it right, but it's that she hadn't met a man who could actually receive this from her and honor it, right? So so she met men that when she would show up in this way, owning her power, owning her standards, communicating what she wants, asking them to honor it challenging them to step up for her in that way. Right. When she would do that, they would all just fall out of her life. They didn't have what it takes. You know, one of them ran back to his ex, another one just like acted crazy and like, and aggressive. And, you know, this is more like, um, kind of like more in, he, he wasn't a narcissist necessarily. He was, she's explained to me what was happening. He was more dealing with mental illness and stuff, but he like would attack her for it. Right? And how can you be this way? And how can you say these things? And how can you be so unfair or so uncompromising? Right? So like he turned it around on her and attacked her for it, but but what was what was really happening was she was just authentically honoring her her truth, and she was waiting to meet someone who could also authentically honor her truth, and she didn't find that until she met me. So I I, I say all this to say that because of the, the nature of men in our world, I think a lot of women are going to have a similar experience where you're going to have to kind of hold your truth, honor your truth, hold your standards, you know, challenge someone to step up for you, call someone into their greatness like that and see who answers that call. See who can really receive that and hold that. Like the, the masculine energy in its highest form, is that of a, of a, like an honorable grounded protector and provider. And so, you know, when you meet men who are embodying a a lower form of masculinity, when you communicate your standards, they might be intimidated by those standards. They might become angry by those standards. They might judge or attack you for asserting your standards. You know, they might, they might call you unfair. You know, when my wife would say something like, Hey, I just, you know, it's really important to me to have a family and have children one day. And I just want to be clear that if we move forward in this relationship, that's the direction we're moving in. And if you can't be okay with that, I need you to let me know. Like, right. Like when she said something like that, what I heard is okay. Like this woman sincerely wants a family. And she's like, actually like being very vulnerable with me. Like she's, She's like asking me to honor her heartfelt desires. And of course I could lie. I could be like, okay, yeah, sure. We'll have a family, whatever. And then when it comes down to it, be like, sorry, I'm not on board. Right. Which would be like extreme toxic masculinity. Just say what I need to say, take what I want with no regard for her. Right. But what I heard was she was coming to me in a very vulnerable way, sharing with me her heartfelt desires, understanding that like, Like I I had a part in this, right? Like, you know, if, if we're going to be in a relationship, she's going to be depending on me to make a baby with her. And like, she's very vulnerably asking me to get clear about if that's something I can commit to and just be honest with her about it. She wasn't trying to force that future on me. She wasn't trying to lock me down and make me have her babies. You know, like it wasn't like that at all. She was like just so vulnerably and so authentically sharing her heart with me and asking me to honor it. She was asking me to be that safe space of that provider and that protector, you know like can I can I provide this future for her? Can I protect and guard this future, this like this dream with her, this commitment with her? Can I step up and be that provider, be that protector? Can I guard and hold this dream with her like something sacred, like something we could build together, right? Prior to me, she had never met a man who could do that. And what I want to say is like, there are lots of men who want to do this. There are lots of men who want to be this. There are lots of men who are working very hard to become the kind of man who can show up that way in the world. And there are lots of men who just couldn't give a fuck less about things like that. There are lots of men who are just out there to be out there, who are just dating for the thrill of dating, who are just seeing how many women they can hook up with. Or even if they're not out there trying to see how many women they could hook up with, they're just doing it with no real intention. They're just doing it like, oh, let's see what happens today. Maybe I'll get into a relationship. Maybe I won't. Maybe it'll last a few years. Maybe it won't. Right? Like they're just, they have a very non committal approach to this. And, what I want to say is like for the women who are again, in this vulnerable position of navigating dating with men and, and looking for a relationship. And like, I do, like I am so sensitive to what a vulnerable position that is. And what I, what I want to say for you is like, it's your, if you want to succeed in this, you have a responsibility to build up an internal strength around your vision for your life, around your dreams and your standards. And you know, the, like the, the dream and the vision you have for your life, you, you need to build up some internal strength about that around that and really stand in that strongly and never let a man shake you off of that, no matter how attractive he is, no matter what he says, no matter what he does, no matter how smooth he is or how romantic he is or what kinds of promises he makes, right? And, and again, like this is complex and there's so much nuance to it. And that's, that's why I do these podcasts every week, right? Because I, I, I try to create a space where I can really get into the nuance of all these things, because there is, there is no black and white. There is no right answer for every situation. Like the truth is when you get involved with someone, you are in a very vulnerable place with them and you are opening your heart up to them and and you're placing your dreams in their hands in a lot of ways. And, you know, you, you do, you have the responsibility of trying to figure out if this is someone who can hold your dreams, who can honor your dreams, who can protect those dreams with you, who can, who can, you know, either share those dreams or, or allow those dreams to become their own and then, and then protect those dreams and fight for them. Right. So that is, that is the position and it's, It's a challenging one. It's a vulnerable one. And it requires a a lot of strength. It requires a lot of commitment to your life and your vision to yourself. It requires an incredible amount of self love and self compassion. And, you know, holding yourself in your moments of loneliness requires an incredible amount of faith and perseverance, Uh, an, an incredible amount of like the willingness to let go the willingness to release like, okay, this isn't working out. This isn't going the way I thought it would. Like I I need to release it. I need to let it go. I need to trust that if it's meant to be, it'll come back, but I can't keep pushing this or or forcing it or fighting it. Right? So it it requires all of this. There's, there's so much to it. I mean, this is like, this is going to be my, my lifetime work is, is trying to, trying to talk about every avenue of this journey. Right. But, But there is, there's just so much here and, and it's so important to develop that strength and that perseverance and that, that willingness to stand in in your standards and in your boundaries and to fight for your vision and your dream. Because if you don't do it, nobody else will. And I know this conversation has been a little bit one-sided and that I've been talking more to the ladies today. And I know men, you, you, for the men who will hear this, like, you definitely have your own experience of this. And I'm sure a lot of what I said, you can relate to on your end too, right? So I I know to a degree, this goes both ways, but specifically for the ladies is like, I really want to say is like, if if you don't hold your vision as sacred and you don't stick to it and you don't fight for it, there are a lot of men in the world who will come into your life and disregard it. And you will end up in a relationship that just feels so empty and you feel so alone and you would be better to be single than to be in a relationship like that. You would feel better about yourself. You would have more possibilities in your life. So, you know, it's just, it's so important to develop that and to stand in that and to hold that and to expect the people you're dating to step into that vision with you or to get out of your life it's just so important and so critical, so vital. And really, I mean, with all the ladies I work with in my coaching, this is what we work on in, in one way or another. Right. So, um, that being said, I'm going to close it out here. I'm sending so much love to, to everyone and to all of you. Um, you know, been a great conversation today and I've really just enjoyed breaking this down. Um, you know, there are so many avenues of it. I hope it's served you in some way. And I hope it's allowing you to move forward in a more empowered way in your life. Um, to those of you who have joined me on Instagram today, thank you. I just want to let you know, you can find this and every other episode available on all major podcast platforms. It's called the conscious love show. You can also go to the link in my bio. You can find it there. Um, for those of you who will hear the podcast and, um, Whether you hear it next week or next year, I just want to say thank you for tuning in with me and sending you a lot of love on your journey. And um, yeah, that being said, like, just thank you so much. It's an honor and a privilege to be here. I love being here every week and and sharing this with you all. Um, I will uh, be back with another episode next Tuesday. And sending you so much love, everybody. So have an amazing rest of your week, amazing weekend. I'll see you next Tuesday lots of love and blessings for your future. All right. Take care and have a wonderful rest of your Tuesday. Goodbye, everybody. Thanks again for checking out the show. Please subscribe on whatever platform you listen to podcasts on the most. And I would love it so much if you leave a review and tell people what you think of us. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at The Living Relationship to connect more closely. And I'm grateful to be supporting you on your journey to love.